Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing really, really well today. How about yourself? I'm good. I couldn't think of any fun intro this time, and it's partly because this episode is so filled with different things we want to talk about that there's no guiding principle to sum them all up easily. So instead, I just resorted to our basic intro. Sorry, listener. Too excited by all the things we've got to talk about. Yeah, exactly. And 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 therefore, I was a little bit rabbit in the headlights. <laughs> anything. So yeah. So, listener, coming up in this episode, you've probably guessed it from the episode title, we have another card from FFG that we get to announce to the community. It's a card from the Mythos pack, The Depths of Yoth, which is forthcoming at the time of recording. But that's not all. We've also got our thematic deck competition winners, the three different winners. We're going to be talking about the deck entries and deciding our winner later in the episode. So there's loads to listen for. Stay tuned. Enjoy ad break. I realised I was sounding like a radio show. You added an ad break. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll just leave that as dead air. I think that <laughs> That's very professional. Who knows? If you're out there and you want to sponsor Drawn to the Flame and you want your adverts in our podcasts, there's a sort of three second window that you could put an ad into now. No more faffing. Should we dive into this new card? Absolutely, yeah. So we've we put the picture up on our Facebook page at the beginning of the week. So people have been guessing, trying to guess what the card does. Uh, but now we can reveal it. Uh, do you want to read it, Frank, or shall I? Uh, I'll read it because I think you've got some strong thoughts you want to dive into with it with. Yeah. Okay, so this is Old Hunting Rifle. It is a survivor asset that costs three resources and three XP. So top end survivor fair. It has combat and agility icons. It's item, weapon, and firearm traded, and it takes up both hand slots. Uses three ammo. Action. Spend one ammo. Fight. You get plus three combat and deal plus two damage for this attack. If a skull or tentacle symbol is revealed during this attack, the rifle jams. This attack automatically fails, Before you can activate this ability again, you must perform the following ability. Action, you clear the jam. And the art is by John Pacer. And I think it's it's cracking. I quite like the art that's not too busy sometimes. I love that this is sort of... The way that the art works is it's clearly like kept in someone's shed and they've just cracked the door open to go and fetch their old hunting rifle. Or maybe they've just found it. I really, yeah, I really like it. And it's got quite a... An almost rough and ready look to it as well, doesn't it? Like the the wood in the shed is like looking really rough, uh, which mm. matches how the weapon works, right? So should we talk yeah. about the weapon then? Mm. I'd like yeah. to talk about it from a theme perspective first of all. Okay. So I think this is an absolute flavour win, this rifle. Especially, it's the first f- survivor firearm we've had. Yes. And there's only uh, Rogue and uh, Guardian firearms we've had altogether. We'd not even thought what a Survivor firearm might be like compared to those two, had we? Yeah, but, you know, if we had to make a guess, we'd say unreliable. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
So this there's this action where you take a shot, and if if you don't, you know, there's there's a chance your rifle's going to jam, and then you're there, like, you know, desperately trying to clear the jam out the rifle and load the next bullet in, which mm-hmm. looks, you know, when you've got an enemy bearing down on you, is is quite intense. And remember yeah. that, that that action to clear the jam is going to trigger an attack of opportunity if you're already engaged with an enemy. Yeah, that follow-up action isn't an action fight. You clear the jam. It's just normal action. You get thumped. So maybe you need a backup plan. <laughs> run away. Yeah. Run away if, it, if the rifle is jammed. Yeah, yeah. So like, I one of the things it reminds me of is baseball bat. Takes up two hands. It gives a pretty hefty boost, but you're just terrified about certain tokens. And it's not like Mystic, where you're terrified of all the special tokens. It's only specific tokens you're worried about, so skulls and the autofail, the tentacle. So you can make some quite informed choices depending on the campaign you're playing. If you're playing Carcosa, the likelihood of your rifle jamming is higher than if you're playing Dunwich or the Forgotten Age, for instance. It's such a relevant comparison with Baseball Bat that I feel like, I guess we've seen before certain cards are like an upgrade to other cards, even if they're not an upgrade in name. So it was like how Switchblade 2, a lot of people saw that as an upgrade to the, the 41 Derringer level zero before, you know, Derringer 2 came out. Yeah. So, and we all, we had Switchblade level zero as well. Then. Well, exactly. Yeah. Discounting happily. Yeah. <laughs> but, but this, it, it's, it's almost the same as baseball bat. So it costs one more. It's got an extra icon. You get an extra plus one to your attack, uh, to your fight value, sorry, and mm. an extra plus one damage. Yeah. So it's got all this. It doesn't discard itself, but it does have uses. It's only got three uses. Um, and also you have to clear the jam if you if you pull one of the horrible tokens. So while we're thinking about baseball bat, that means that it's definitely worth being circumspect in the ma- the way that you might be circumspect about choosing baseball bat for your investigator. So there are certain things about baseball bat that are very unreliable. And I think one of the ones that people really struggle with for baseball bat is the fact that it takes up both hands and that that can really end up sort of dominating what you're doing in terms of play style. And people, I think, are probably more wary about that than they're wary about losing it. You could take two fire axes, two shovels, and two baseball bats in your deck and have lots of different weapons. But as soon as you've played the baseball bat, you potentially run the the, the risk of a, of a situation in which just when you need to fight, it's gone and you can't fight anymore. And then you don't have a backup weapon in your other hand because baseball bat has filled up your entire hands. Yeah, if you don't like that about baseball bat, you probably won't like that about old hunting rifle as well. And if you're the kind of person who's already worked out a way of using baseball bat, maybe because you're not using other weapons or you're not worried about your hand slots, then maybe you will upgrade into old hunting rifle as a result. So who likes this weapon then? My go-to immediately is the fightiest of the survivors. Well, and, and we should mention then it's gated to Wendy... William Yorick, Ashcan Pete, Silas, Calvin, and Lola. Is that is that our six? Yeah, I think yes. so. And I go to Yorick. So he's got access. Guardian can help him with dealing with some of the drawbacks of this card. So he could wear a bandolier and have another weapon out so that if the old hunting rifle jams, he's got a way of still fighting. 
he could replay the old hunting rifle if it's run out of ammo and ended up in his discard pile to get the ammo back, which is quite nice. Uh, he could also add extra ammo to it with extra ammunition, which is also nice. Or Ventura. Yeah, or Ventura. And he can even defend himself if he needed to clear the jam by playing a card like Dodge or by having a beefy ally that could soak the attack of opportunity while he's using it. So this, this to me, I think it, it probably sees a spot in, in his deck or it's at least worthy of consideration. It feels like something he might have hidden in the shed at the graveyard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, yeah. He, driving he, people he, away. Or, yeah, driving ghouls away, probably. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's a good fit for Yorick? Yeah, Yorick would have been my go-to as well. Uh, as you say, he's, he's the fightiest. Um, I know people have run baseball bat in Wendy, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's always that element where you could put this in here and then bump her up to a an actual decent attack value and decent damage so she can at least be a bit more survivable. But I feel there's maybe better options for Wendy at the moment. Like we just yeah. we just had the, the bow in the last pack. Yes, and you get plus three combat for this attack with the hunting rifle and you do plus two damage. You could play backstab, which also costs three and would get you straight up to an agility four and do three damage. Admittedly, you couldn't play back backstab for three actions in a row. So it's not like it's got uses, but there's already she already has access to cards, doesn't she? That that give her sort of big boosts of damage. I'm glad you mentioned Wendy because it also reminds me of another thing that we know about in the Survivor faction, which is not only that they're good at reusing things, but also that sometimes they can just forego revealing chaos tokens at all, and at that point, any cards with downsides on them become you know that depend on chaos tokens become less of a risk so if you can play will to survive while you're about to fight with your old hunting rifle you're getting a really decent combat boost you're doing three damage per hit and you're not revealing any tokens so then that's you know nine damage in a turn exactly breaking a sweat yorick could just take down a boss with his hunting rifle couldn't he yeah yeah oh yeah uh, add in some vicious blows as well just like guaranteed damage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that, that that's really strong. I think the three damage on a firearm is is really nice. That's one shot to deal with. Those three damage enemies are a real, a real pain to deal with in mm. most factions. You know, you, you often, anything which causes an extra damage is prized. So your beat cop charges or your, your vicious blow or whatever it is. So hunting rifle, just being able to take them out in one shot. Sorry, you didn't say that, but I did a mime of someone shooting something there. Oh, nice. <laughs> but it was like a pistol mime, so that didn't really work. Check out the video of our recording <laughs> and you can see. The see studio that. webcam is on. <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, oh, really radio. Yeah. So the other person that I've been running baseball bat in recently is Silas. And I've been running baseball bat in Silas if I'm running Silas multiplayer and I want to be the, the sort of the prime fighter. And so I've added baseball bat in because I wanted more weapons that give me more damage. Because one of the big limitations for Survivor at the moment is that they have very few ways of doing more than six damage in a turn. So you could take three axe swings, or you could attack with Duke twice and then swing with your axe, or you could hit three times with the baseball bat. But you, the way of adding more damage in Survivor is very limited, I think intentionally. 
So I was really relieved to see this card because this is a way of doing more damage in a turn, potentially. And given that I'd already been enjoying having it, having baseball bat in Silas and not worrying too much about what else was in my hands, this could this could fit in there. You could even play something over it to discard it if you run out of ammo and then use resourceful to get it back and replay it. It's not so expensive to replay either that it's going to break the bank. Yeah. And then the final thing I think where it might fit well in Silas is that he has agility four. So if it jams, he does have a backup plan for how he deals with an enemy, which is evade them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yorick might not. So the the other person we mentioned who can take it is Lola. So does I've got no experience playing Lola because I can't wrap my head around her. Uh, You've played her a fair bit. Yeah, a fair bit. Does a weapon or something like this, which can deal large amounts of damage multiple times in a faction other than Guardian, does that increase her her flexibility? So if if you were taking you typically take, I guess, you know, if you want to be a seeker and a fighter or something else, you take your fighting cards and guardian and your your clue cards and seeker or whatever. Mm. Does having a yeah. weapon like this, a quite a powerful weapon in a in a faction that isn't guardian, does that help her? I think it, it opens up more avenues for consideration. Because this is three XP, I think I would probably want to plan to build into it. And one of the things that Lola likes is static boosts, like the boost from Magnifying Glass. So if I was doing Seeking and Fighting, I would probably immediately worry that this would clash with keeping a Magnifying Glass in my hand. But that Will to Survive play and and having a whole turn where you don't have to draw Chaos Tokens, there are Lola decks out there that gain extra actions from Rogue and then don't draw any Chaos Tokens through Will to Survive. So maybe this would fit in there in a kind of combo way. You could throw in double or nothings as well, quick thinkings to get extra actions, and then have a turn of doing lots of crazy things. Maybe there's a guardian rogue survivor Lola out there that's kind of combo killer Lola. Maybe. Yeah. So yeah. So what what you're saying is that you, if you want to combo with some of the other survivor cards, having a survivor weapon, you can build into that. Yeah. So if if yeah. you're wanting to use cards like Lucky or will to survive yes she could maybe look at this okay that's interesting it is yeah it i mean i think it's i think it's the the challenge with lola is that there's so much to choose from and sort of settling in with what you're going to do like often i find i put machete in lola if i'm going to fight because i know how machete works and it's simple and there's no further complications like if you're fighting with fire axe, you need to think about how do I get to zero resources and how do I get back from zero resources. You don't need to think about that with machete. Uh, you can. You, it kind of keeps things simple. And this card, I think it. I think I would define it as a non-simple card because you need to have a contingency plan for your hands and for when it jams. So there's sort of two two question marks hanging over it. And I bet there'll be people who go meh about this card because they see those drawbacks and they can't see past them. But I think it's a really good challenge to the community to think of a really good hunting rifle deck. Like that, I'd be excited to see that deck and to play that deck. Yeah. It's a cool card. And I I just absolutely love the theme on it. I I mentioned this to you the the other day, Frank, but I'd, I'd be keen. I have no idea how you'd make it work, but almost like a draft... Uh, yeah. format for, for Arkham whether you do that competitive with another team or you have people taking cards a, 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 a mythos 
entity that takes cards out the draft pack or something like that. You know, because when you play draft, you're scrambling for those cards that that just do something. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're just like, okay, well, I haven't got... There's no weapons, so I need anything. <laughs> it's better than nothing. Yes, yeah. And you yeah. see cards like this being actually really useful there um, and much more thematic as well. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see it on the table. And I think it yes, could be some too. really yeah. fun game moments when you're staring down the barrel at uh, some horrific monstrosity and you're praying a skull doesn't come out. Yeah, and sorry, we, we didn't we didn't linger on this very much, but the skull or autofail symbol on these attacks, it's not that after the attack you discard the bat, like with baseball bat. It's that all skulls and autofails are autofails. They make you automatically fail the test. So while you're shooting with the old hunting rifle, you essentially have three or four tentacles in the bag, which... Like, that to me is so unreliable because one of the things we do in this game is boost to the point where we're like, right, I've eliminated every token in the bag apart from the minus five and the auto fail or the minus four and the auto, whatever it is. This you, doesn't matter how high you boost, there's going to be three or four auto fails in the bag and you lose that ammo and you lose that three damage you were going to do. It's like it's punishing as a drawback. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe this is why uh, we take another look at it in Wendy because she can redraw, can't she? Yes, well, yeah, good shout. Yeah. Well, okay, there it is. There it is, yeah. My mind was just sort of spiralling off into thinking, oh, I see, yeah. (laughs) Maybe it also just encourages a gung-ho playstyle, where rather than at the start of your turn being like, right, I'm going to shoot twice, do six damage, and then I'm going to do this following thing, and you're sort of all planned out. If you're an old hunting rifle player, you're like, yeah, I'll take a couple of pot shots, see what happens. And you you only use it in those situations where it's not kind of vital make or break because you're unreliable. You know, who knows what happens? Oh, wouldn't it be great if you attach reliable to this as well? Yeah, or... um... (laughs) Not that it would help the jamming, but it would just give you slightly more combat. Uh, or um, custom ammunition. If if uh, a matio or a or a guardian in your in your team can Ooh, yeah. bless your bullets, you're then doing four damage to monsters in one shot. So that's mm. like taking out. It's all like Yithians and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, just like one shot dead. That's really nice. Really nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a fun, interesting weapon. It opens up our scope for talking about weapons it opens up more damage in survivor which i really like i'm excited yeah i'm I'm really interested to see people using it as well thanks once again to ffg for sending this to have a look at uh, it's always a real pleasure to to tear open these cards tear open the email with the card in <laughs> and then and then uh share it with with the listeners yeah, and thanks if you've made comments guessing what the card is, what it'll be. We really love those as well. They're always really fun. So yeah, thank you. Speaking of the listeners being awesome, two months ago or so, we announced that we were doing a competition. The competition was an investigator paired with a scenario that works thematically rather than works in terms of power gaming or efficiency or anything else like that. And we encourage people to send in their entries. And if they wanted to provide a deck list and a write-up for that deck list, we would appreciate that. And we're able to now announce the results for all of that competition. So that's the second part of this episode. Yeah, it's been a really, really interesting experience reading through everything. Because I think our 
brief of what we wanted people to do was open to a little bit of interpretation. Mm, so yes, different people was, yeah. went in different ways and provided us different types of thing. And every single one we looked at was different and interesting in a different way. Yeah. Properly interesting as well, not Drawn to the Flame interesting. Like Drawn to the Flame interesting yeah. is interesting, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let, let's get everyone, everyone who sent in their deck list, we've officially branded it Drawn to the Flame interesting. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, that, it's a sort of participation prize. <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> Before we go any further, there are some, some thank yous we definitely have to say. So if you haven't yet checked out Buy the Same Token... They do tokens for Arkham Horror. They're really cool acrylic tokens. You can find them on eBay or on Etsy. Search for buy the same token. That's B-U-Y, the same token. Uh, thank you so much. They're sponsoring one of the prizes for this competition. They also do tokens for a bunch of other games. They do X-Wing tokens, I know, and they do some uh, some Warhammer tokens. This is all compatible with those games. So, yeah, they're, they're, and they're really nice guys. So check out their stuff as well. They're re- really good guys, yeah. We've got to say thank you as well to Robin. You're going to hear us mention Robin's name more in this episode. He suggested this idea originally. Uh, I know Robin through Netrunner many years ago, but he said he was looking for a way of just sitting down, wanting to play a scenario thematically and wanting decks for it. And he said that could be a fun competition and very kindly let us run with it. And he's been one of the judges for this. So he's actually sent in his top three winners and one of the prizes will have been decided by robin robin thank you very much it's just been it's been great working with you also want to say thank you to our patrons they have read through all the deck lists and voted for their favorite as well so we've got a people's choice winner so thank you to everyone who's read through the deck lists quite a few people have been out of our patrons have been commenting them on arkham dv as well so as i was reviewing them i kept on seeing our patrons popping up there yeah that's been really nice to see. And I think we didn't expect the number of entries. And I'm sure our patrons didn't expect the number of entries when I said, if you wouldn't mind just reading the deck lists and re- voting for your favourite. <laughs> and there's nearly 40 deck lists that you have to read through, all with great descriptions, all needing to be weighed up. And we also didn't really give them any criteria for what they should rate them on. We just said, pick your favourite. So, yeah. For all the patrons who've taken the time to read, to comment, to talk about it with other people, really grateful. It's really nice of you to do it. And yeah, thank you. And then finally, the the entrants themselves. We've got to thank you guys and gals. The imagination on display, the enthusiasm for this competition is just so welcome. There wasn't a deck list I looked at that I didn't think, oh, I really like that. Or, oh, this is intriguing. And I'm a little bit sad that we're not going to be able to mention every single deck individually, but we will talk about some. But yeah, just at this point, I wanted to say thank you so much for entering. Yeah, um, Frank is absolutely not exaggerating here. Like, they were all good. They were all good. Every single one had something I thought, oh, that's cool. I've got a list of notes here, and it's like every single one's like, oh, this is a cool idea. Yeah, so, in yeah. the judging, that was one of the hardest things. I was taking notes to think about the decks just so that when I, so the third winner will be chosen by me and Peter, and I was taking notes ostensibly to remember what each deck was about and decide, and then I realised that what I was really doing was taking notes that were going to be talking points for this episode, and once I've done a talking point for every single deck, I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be a long episode, so we're not unfortunately going to be able to do all of those talking points, but 
we're definitely going to dive in with some of our favourites now, I think. Yeah. Well, should we do that now? Or do you want to do Robin's response? Why don't, why don't we dive in first with some of the criteria you were looking for and maybe a couple of highlights that you saw in the in the process of judging? I wasn't sure. When I just started reading, I just started reading the deck list to see what they were like. But after looking at a few, I thought I'm going to need a way to judge which ones I like the best. And really, I mm. think I was looking at three things, which was the the investigator and how it was positioned in the scenario so so a link between the investigator and the scenario a link between like the investigator and the cards in it whether what was in the deck was appropriate for the investigator and the story Uh, and then finally justification of, of the cards in the deck for the scenario as well so it was kind of good choice of investigator good choice of scenario good choice of cards in the deck yeah and, and and some of the really good decks, the ones I really enjoyed reading, they did a couple of those really well. Uh, but the one, the ones I, I I was drawn to as the winners, they did all three very well. That's a nice way of putting it. Shall, yeah. shall I read out some of the ones that caught my eye as I was going through? Please, yeah. yeah, yeah. So again, there was there was there is too many to mention. So please don't feel offended if we don't read yours because we've only got a limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. There was a really fun one. Uh, we got quite early on, which was it was a bit wacky, but I really liked it because it just showed the kind of imagination people had with this. Which was Zoe Samaras had been sent back in time, or she was she was Gillian Anderson from the X Files, who yeah, had been sent Dana Scully, sent yeah. sent back. Yeah, Dana Scully had been sent back in time to the twenties. So all of the cards in her deck were either part of her cover story as a as a chef in the twenties. Or they were part of her FBI kit that she had on her when she was transported back in time. Yeah. And just for pure laugh out loud moment, the strange solution in that deck, just because it might be a thing that she had as a scientist, I think, was the reason. Yes. There was also, I think... Acknowledge that you wouldn't use it. And yeah. why would, you know, Zoe's not going to identify the solution. But a funny, funny nudge. Yeah. There was one of the ones where Finn was really drunk. Yeah, yeah. So Strange Solution was in the deck as well, just as something he might drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really nice. That was really good. Nice. Another one that really stood out to me, there was a Mark Harrigan deck, which was Mark sent to the... Uh, he's suffering a PTSD after the death of Sophie. And he checks, either checks himself into the asylum. So it's, it's playing through the Unspeakable Oath as Mark, as a patient of Arkham Asylum. And it's a Mark Harrigan deck that has no weapons in it. Because he couldn't bring a machete into the asylum. Exactly, yeah. So, so, but he he's able to use he's able to punch stuff, obviously, and also use improvised weapons he finds around the place. And I like that because it was it really showed the flexibility. Even you look at Mark and you think, oh, he's mostly just guardian. Yeah, but actually, he's just a fighter. He's just yeah. a fighter. But there's actually quite a lot of flexibility there. And there was some evasion in that deck, and you know, sneak attacks and movement abilities and all this kind of stuff. That was all in there. It was a really nice take on a mark deck uh, appropriate to the scenario. It's, it made me think a little bit of, you know, in kind of the archetypical or stereotypical even superhero stories where there's a time when the superhero, like, you know, say Batman, loses all of his gear and he's just Bruce Wayne, but he still has to, like, fight his way out of something. Yeah, So yeah. he's still got, like, some of his abilities, but not his batarangs and his zip wires and whatever. This is a staple of all video games. I used to make... It happened a lot, kind of, 
through the 90s and noughties in video games, there was always a level where you had all your gear taken away from you. And you had to, it was often like a stealth level, so you had to sneak out. Uh, and often it was tooth grindingly frustrating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine playing Mark with no weapons through Unspeakable Oath probably tooth grindingly frustrating. Or maybe, maybe he's, maybe he could wing it. It reminded me of that, definitely. Is there any that you want to mention? I mean, I, I could go on with mentioning more, but I, I don't want to take up all the time talking myself. I, well, the, the the one that, in terms of really nice write-ups, there were a few that were I thought really fantastic. There was a really long, detailed Jim against the Rougarou short story that I just thought was above and beyond the Call of Duty. So I thought that was, yeah, really entertaining. And there was also A House Always Wins Wendy deck, but it was told from the point of view of the pit boss who was looking at this, obviously this underage person coming into the Clover Club and kind of eyeing her up and told from the pit boss's point of view. That was just, I really loved that as a justification rather than trying to get inside Wendy's head, which to a certain extent takes away from what other players might experience because it's your own subjective experience. Instead, doing it from a sort of a different angle, I thought was was really lovely, yeah. The other thing that really struck me was there was a fantastic range here. So I think the most popular investigator was Zoe, but we had lots of different investigators. Not all investigators, but lots of different investigators. And then similarly, House Always Wins and Unspeakable Oath were very popular scenarios to choose, I think because they are very thematic. But we had a real range of other scenarios. We had Midnight Masks, we had The Gathering, we had... Lost in Time and Space, yeah. we had Where Doom Awaits. Had Labyrinths you know, of Lunacy was one of them. Labyrinths of Lunacy, yeah. Solo that? with Calvin. Doom of Estley, yes, yeah. The solo Calvin in the Labyrinth was really cool. Yeah, really nice. There was a couple of Calvin decks and they were both really, really good, actually. They were both really flavourful and thematic. I liked those a lot. So there was one of the one I wanted to mention, which was one of my favourite ones, probably my favourite after the winner, uh, was William Yorick in Return to the Gathering. And when I thought about it, I was like, oh, that's that's actually, yeah, that's quite an obvious one because there's ghouls in in The Gathering and Return to The mm-hmm. Gathering and that's the the flavourful enemy for, for William to be playing. But the idea was it was William's house and all the things that he was using were things he find in his house. So, you know, he had his newspaper that he was researching the um, murders in or the disappearances in. He had, uh, you know, his shovel in his in his shed and all this kind of stuff. It uh, worked really, really well. Um, he put Dig Deep in, of course, and yeah. he totally owned that during the, the write-up, so i gotta got to respect that. And there was Cornered in there as well, which I thought was fantastic. It's the absolute perfect card. And as I was writing Cornered notes, I was like, yeah. it, it, it represents how desperate he is. And as I was typing that, I looked, and he, there was also Desperate Search in the deck as well. Good, yeah. Yes, there was. I saw one common theme was Say Your Prayers, cropped up a lot across these decks because it's quite a thematic card and it's a really useful phrase if you're going to use card titles in your write-ups writing say your prayers sucker or whatever it is (laughs) it's really easy to do so you sneak that in there was also there was a fin deck that referenced half seas over so that that oh yes yeah that was drunk fin that was that was drunk fin half seas enjoyed yeah yeah i mean honestly there's just two i could i could talk for another half an hour about how much I loved all these decks. There was a, an animal 
an animal themed Jenny deck as well. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a Rex deck in The Last King where he was like interviewing people for a story. It was all all good. Well, should, yes. we, should, we, should, should we go on with the winner or is there any other ones you want to mention? No, I want to say on that Rex one, the great thing is every time he says, oh, just my luck in the write-up or oh, that would happen, the card link was always to Rex's curse. Oh, yeah. So it was like a running <laughs> gag through the notes. But it wasn't that Rex's curse was a specific curse. It was just anything that was bad. So, oh, was yeah, linked, fine. Like, yeah. Rex's curse. Yeah, <laughs> Rex's curse. Yeah, really great. What we're going to do with these decks is we're going to write to all of the people who entered and check that they're happy with this. I think the published decks, we don't need to check in the same way, but the ones that haven't actually been published, we'll check. And I'm planning to put them on our blog, not as a, uh, uh, an audio episode, but just as a reference that you can go and look at uh, investigator scenario and find the deck if you want to jump in and play any of these. Because the idea is that slowly we populate the entire list of scenarios and you could pick a different investigator for a different scenario and have a thematic experience of it. So we're definitely going to start collating them, I think. Yeah. If you're one of the entrants and you'd like to publish your deck, please do publish your deck and just send us a new link and we can then, we can link to it. I mean, we can link to the, the view version anyway, but if you're not, if you're not, sh- I, I don't want to assume that you're happy with us doing that. It's one thing entering a competition. It's another thing having it sort of put publicly on the internet. So yeah, do let us know and you'll get an email from us as well once this episode is out. Right. Robin wanted to make an honourable mention to a Father Matteo Carnavale deck, which he loved playing. And Robin has been fantastic and actually sat down and played a lot of these decks, if not all of them. And I love that deck as well. You know, who else would go, who would go to the Basilica de San Marco in in Venice, if not Father Matteo, to see his old pen pal, the abbess. So that, yeah, lovely, lovely detail. In third place for Robin was a deck, Sorry Sugar, It's Just Not Your Night, which I think is a Jenny House Always Wins deck. And he says he got a bit confused. Are you two Francis Morgan and Peter Clover confirmed, as in me and (laughs) Peter, which were not? But that reminds me, there were a couple of mentions of Drawn to the Flame in write-ups, and saying that the podcast is good or that you enjoy it has not swayed our decisions, and trying to butter up the judges has been frowned upon in this judging before you wonder about the results. But yeah, that that Jenny deck was fantastic. A really nice write-up and just a really, really fun, cool deck. So I'm, I'm glad that that got acknowledged. I, I was going to say buttering up the judges was, was excellent and everyone should have done it. <laughs> That's why I'm one of the judges, because otherwise... <laughs> Frank, did you see? They mentioned me in this one. No, Peter, it doesn't mean that you want... Yeah. Uh, in second place for him was Always Leave a Man Behind, which was his favourite write-up, Robin's favourite write-up. And this is a Leo Anderson grief deck. So it wasn't just a thematic deck. It also had a kind of gameplay goal, which was griefing. And the thrust of it was that Leo Anderson, the reason that so many of his companions get left behind is because he actually wants to keep all the treasure for himself on every expedition he's gone. So he's actually killing people off rather than yeah them just sort of falling foul to natural causes. Really great write-up. I can see why Robin thought it was his favourite. It was a really detailed, lively write-up. So j- just to catch up, the, that Matteo deck, you, uh, which was the honourable mention, was the Josh Castle deck. Well done, Josh. 
Joseph Much was the Ginny deck. Well done, Joseph. And then Zach Reman, Reman was the Leo deck. All great decks. So in first place for Robin, which means winning a copy of Carnivale, and we will send it to you, is the deck True Conviction. And this, to Robin, married up a really cool theme of tackling a specific scenario in an interesting way. He used interesting, drawn to the flame interesting. And <laughs> and what Robin was really looking for was the, the deck to work well with the scenario and feel like a unique deck. And he felt like this deck was a great write-up, but also felt like a unique deck as well uh, and very thematic. So that deck was by... So this, is, this was by Graham Carlson. And this was Min Tai Fan in Echoes of the Past. So Graham wins Car- Carnivale, yeah. Yes, yeah. brilliant. Well done, Graham. I really enjoyed that deck as well, actually. It was on, it was on my list of ones. I, I ticked. There was actually a couple of Min Tai Fan decks, which I, which I liked. They were, they were both really good, but yeah. Well done, Graham. Well done, Graham. Yeah. Meanwhile, the patrons have also been choosing a winner, and this was really close. In second place... Leo Anderson, the Doom of Esdley, again. Oh, wow. Well done, Zach. Just really tight, but unfortunately pipped by one of two Carolyn Fern in the Unspeakable Oath decks. So Carolyn Fern has won for this one. It's a it's a nice thematic match, isn't it? The psychologist going to the asylum. Yeah. Yeah, clearly people leapt on that as an idea. Oh, yeah. So there were a couple of Carolyn Fern decks, as you say, in, in the Asylum, which is a great thematic match. The, the other one was she was treating patients because she had it was the hypnotic gaze was in there, which I really liked. <laughs> That's very smart. Yeah, yeah. But this one, this one was good. This was Carolyn visiting the Asylum, wasn't it? And yes. she, she t- sneaked the gun in in her bag and things like that. Um, it was a really nice write up, a really nice deck as well. So that's by Die W. That's D-A-I-W. Um, we've probably got your full name on the email. And I just want to acknowledge on this deck as well that it had a really nice two-part write-up where one was from Carolyn's point of view and then the other part was sort of the reality of it, which I felt really reflected well the theme of Unspeakable Oath. Are you going there of your own volition or are you not? Yeah, it was really nice. So what does Die win? Die as our patron winner wins... Uh, a specially commissioned episode of one of us playing that deck through Unspeakable Oath. That's going to be live. a fun one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're keeping up with Think on Your Feet, you will have heard that I've just played Unspeakable Oath fairly recently and it went really, really well. So I'm really <laughs> looking forward to this second bite at that apple. Yeah. So uh, we'll have to work out how we do it, but it will be a little bonus outside of the normal schedule live play and hopefully people enjoy that and hopefully the deck can hold its own it's 29 xp deck so maybe it'll work we'll have to see fantastic and so we come to the winner or our winner anyway everyone's winners yeah do you want to announce this frank i can do so we had uh, a few tying for the top spot for us and i think our honorable mentions need to go to uh, jenny and house always wins Sorry, Sugar, It's Not Your Night. There was a fantastic Skids Undercover deck, also in House Always Wins, that we both really liked. That was Alexander Kentorp was that deck. Okay. That was, a really, that was really nice, a really, really nice deck. But we both found ourselves circling back to the same deck, which was Ashcan Pete in Essex County Express. 
yeah, this step was really, really nice. In a way, it was quite simple, but it I think it did what it did really, really well. But do you want to tell me what, what you liked about this deck, Frank? I felt actually that the simplicity was one of the things I liked the most about it. It was a really nicely put together Ashkampit deck. It explained why Pete was there. He's had a nightmare of him being swallowed in a void in the sky and passengers screaming. So, you know, that feeds into his backstory and what we know happens in Essex. And then it felt like all of the cards were just pulling together in the same direction as a kind of Ashcan Pete deck should. How about for you? Yeah, much the same as you. Uh, I, I just I thought every card on the list uh, really justified itself. Uh, we've often said that these these dumbage investigators they've got these five out of faction cards, and they're a great way for adding some flavour to your deck. You know, you can twist your deck in whichever way you want with those five cards. So you could even have a deck much the same. You change those five cards, and it's got a really different texture to it. But the five that that this deck picked, we had Narrow Escape, Trusted, Quick Thinking, and Defiance. And to me, they really captured the theme of this scenario and of what Pete was doing on the train. Mm, I also yeah, quite like yeah. that link between Peter being the drifter and obviously like moving around the country on boxcars and being on the train as well. That felt like a really strong, strong theme to me. Yeah, it even played into this idea that maybe the fact that he's drifting is not is not to escape his nightmares but it's to it's to follow wherever the danger is as well i really like that as a as a sort of maybe like little bit of alternative canon for pete that he travels averting problems rather than escaping them i loved i loved narrow escaping there yeah it was such a such a lovely choice the final thing that i really liked well, I liked everything about it, but another thing I really liked was in his write-up he suggests an ultimatum, which you'll remember mm. are these things the designers added to the game, like modifiers to change the challenge. So sometimes make it harder, sometimes make it different. He suggested one here, which is the ultimatum of guilt. Uh, and he says, when a helpless passenger would be discarded, set it aside instead, all players lose one action to a minimum of one for each helpless passenger set aside. Which I think that that's that's a great modification to that scenario. I think that's that's mm. really cool, and it really ties into everything else he did in that scenario. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It just it's clear that it had so much thought, and it's just a really lovely put together deck. So yeah. So whose deck list is this? We haven't mentioned their name. And this person is Martin Grisman. Well done, Martin. What does Martin? Well Martin. What does Martin win? Martin wins a player board and tokens from buy the same token. We'll send you an email if we haven't already asking for your details. We'll put you in touch with Chris and Simon from buy the same token and you can sort out getting a new player board and tokens. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. And and again, thank you to absolutely everyone because they were all really good fun to read. Yeah, we just had a ton of fun going through them, picking out bits we liked. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Thank you so much. And it's just been it's been such a positive experience and it's so great to see all the creativity that's out there in the community. So yeah, well done. Thank you. If you think of a deck and a thematic pairing that wasn't mentioned here and you'd like to just send it in anyway after the fact, we'll still accept them and I'll update the list as we get them. There are some investigators that haven't been represented and some scenarios, so there's still plenty of scope for adding in an entry you can't win anything anymore i'm afraid but 
please feel free if you want to. And you can get in touch with us generally on Drawn to the Flame podcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook as Drawn to the Flame. We're on Twitter as Drawn to the Flame. And we're also on Patreon. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Drawn to the Flame. If you've not yet looked what perks you get to be a patron, why not go and take a look? If you already are a patron, thank you so much. You're fantastic. We love you. Uh, Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I'm everywhere as United, that's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on the uh, Reddit, I'm on Discord, I'm on Twitter, all of that. Um, just a quick note on the card of the day. Just I've got a new project at work and I've got a new laptop, so I'm not able to update the card of the day too much at the moment, but I think I saw some chatter on the Reddit. Um, someone else is going to be picking that up. So head back over and, yeah, uh, you can join in with that. Fantastic. I always love the card of the day updates. Still. <laughs> is something happening? Yeah. Still not doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> card of the never. Yeah. And I'm on I'm on Discord as Zooey Glass and I'm around the place as Zooey Glass or Zozo. If you have any rules, queries that you've had sent to you from Matt, send them in to us and we'll get them on Arkham DB. We keep an FAQ up there of collected rules queries and that's something that i look after so yeah by all means send me a message thank you very much for listening brilliant thank you